0: Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Viloni. I'm your host, Mary Viloni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Today we're in episode 145, and we are talking about five minutes for fundraising with Martin Liefeld. Martin, welcome to the show. I'm going to share a little bit about you, but so excited to have you on the show.
1: Well, Mary, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm honored. I've been so impressed by the good work you're doing. I think podcasts like this really enhance the nonprofit community by you know with that great education, and uh, I'm just thrilled uh, that you asked me to do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, Martin, you have just recently put out a book and I am a huge fan of fundraising books. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But first of all, let's, I just want to share with everybody that, you know, Martin is an, he's an author, consultant, coach, and a public speaker. So very similar to what I do. Uh, Martin does as well. And, but he's got a few years on me. So he's been doing <laughs> this for 24 years. I'm I'm closer to like the 19 range. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but he is a professional fundraiser and he has raised a staggering 500 million dollars and just a couple of years ago he was named the outstanding fundraising executive by the Association of Fundraising Professionals in our St. Louis regional chapter and for those of you who don't know much about the Association of Fundraising Professionals this really is the organization that that oversees all the ethics when it comes to fundraising. So that is a huge honor to receive that award. Um, He's also, you know, as a passion to serve Martin has established you know of course the resources that he has available he'll be talking more about them today he has worked in the university advancement space uh, here in the st. Louis area where I'm from uh, he worked in the advancement department uh, with the University of Missouri st. Louis often referred to as Umsol and he was there for 10 years uh, while he was there he dramatically increased their fundraising to average over twenty six point four million dollars per year okay so I wanted Martin to come and share just the wealth of information he has, because I really do think that people, when once you have the ability to hear about, look at the kinds of dollars that are being raised, I think that it gives people the permission to raise whatever they need. So welcome to the show, Martin.
1: Well, thank you so much, <laughs> Mary.
0: Yeah, I mean, like five hundred million dollars is no uh, small chunk of change, huh?
1: <laughs> well, you know, the thing I, I do want to say, and I appreciate your gracious and you know, too long introduction. But I know, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thrilled to be able to talk about a number like that. But two things about it. Number one, it, it's not the size. It's not the the amount of dollars raised because that that's a function of the of the organizations within which you work. In other words, if you're an organization with a budget of a million dollars a year, it's probably unrealistic that you're going to raise $500 million for that organization over 25 years.
0: Absolutely. Right?
1: So, So, it's not about the money, it's about the relationships. And we'll talk more about that, I would think, during the course of our visit here today. It's about the relationships and how we work with people. That uh, is the most exciting thing about this. Yeah. So, you know, we want, as those of us who are stepping into fundraising or those of us who are taking new positions in fundraising, we have to assess where the organization is at, not give in the fantastical thinking, and think and build out a plan and get to work mm-hmm. and try and create a, you know, momentum. And progress for the organization in the whole world of fundraising
0: well so why are you I mean just in general why are you so passionate about fundraising
1: well that's a great question Uh, I'm passionate about fundraising why okay well first of all I would say that funding enables nonprofits to pursue their missions fulfill their missions and grow and expand uh, their impact to improve the world to improve the lives of others and so If you don't have funding, you you don't have much of a mission, and fundraising is a primary way that an organization can maintain its its ability to do its job. Mm -hmm. But not only that, as I mentioned, you can grow your mission, because a lot of our missions are not meant to be static, they're meant to be dynamic. And uh, as, as the world changes and evolves uh, and the demands of our organization change and evolve, that requires money. No money, no mission, no margin, no mission, as someone coined. So I'm passionate about it because funding can make such a difference. And I'm passionate about it because we as fundraisers, I like to call us facilitators of philanthropy, we get to kind of uh, represent these powerful organizations and assist donors to make gifts of greater significance that they feel great about, they have a great experience doing, uh, they get to take what's important to them, their passions, their purpose, and their resources, and invest them with what we represent to uh, do great things. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. And I'm passionate about working with people in that whole arena of, of making meaningful contributions. Uh, both financially and with their talent and with their time, of course. The other thing that I feel passionate about is that our work is honorable work. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said, you know, more than once over the years, any number of times, and usually, usually teasingly, a donor would say to a no, another donor as I kind of entered into their space, uh-oh, grab your billfold, close your purse, here comes Martin, he's probably going to ask us for money. And, you know, they chuckle and, well, you know, Mary frankly i would chuckle too but i'm thinking you know that's that's, the, that's not what i'm about yeah right I, I and i they knew that's not what i, I wasn't about that well, really yeah.
0: trust trust me martin yeah. You both <laughs> so yeah common yeah. thing that we both hear, and i'm sure fundraisers all over yeah, yeah experience that it's but it's not like you say this isn't that's that's not what what your
1: role is so it's it's honorable work it's really a vocate I like to think of it as a vocation it's almost a calling Uh, it has a a wonderful purpose we get to develop our develop ourselves we get to help donors develop themselves uh, as and grow as human beings by looking beyond themselves to the bigger world and, and contributing as best they can to improve it and uh, you know our labor is dignified. Yeah, we get tired and 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 disappointed, and, you know, it's a roller coaster, like many other positions that have, that matter and have meaning. Uh, you know, I I just can't say enough about this profession.
0: Yeah. And I love that you call, you know, call fundraisers, facilitators of philanthropy. (laughs) I'm going to love that word. (laughs) So, and I I read that in your book as well. And I thought that that was a really great way to put it. And when you and I spoke um, earlier before we did this show, you know, you really had talked about um, just being that connector. And I I love the way that you say that because um, just really facilitating somebody who has a desire to financially give and be a philanthropist and then having a receiving side of things on the other side and so um, where did where did that all come from like just that the term and you know all all the stuff that you have you put in your book in that chapter
1: yeah well you know it came from experience yeah it came it came came from reflecting and I'm a guy who does a lot of reflecting maybe too much but (laughs) I, I reflect a lot and I and as I went through this experience of working with donors and watched them being transformed and certainly at umso where it was a university watching students be transformed through you know scholarships and so on i began to look at it all differently mm-hmm. and um the and i i realized that you know in one way it's about us because we as fundraisers have to pursue excellence we have to be prepared, we have to uh, develop our abilities so that we can be the best that we possibly can be in this work. But um, it's it's so much more than that, because it's about the donor and the organization we represent. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, really good. So based on your personal experience, which I know, I mean, you really do have a lot of great experience, not only many years, but also raising a lot of of dollars. But what do you think right now is holding so many of our nonprofits back?
1: Well, we can start, (laughs) this is the negative side of it, but fear and ignorance. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean fear, we all feel fear, you know, constantly daily, certainly. And I think looking at stepping into fundraising, it can be daunting. It can be anxiety producing. Uh-huh. And a lot of that, of course, we can address uh, through education. In other words, ignorance, you can, you can counter fear by better understanding what it's all about. Uh, and there's lots of resources. Uh, you are a provider of such resources, Mary. And so um, so that's a part of The other part of it is, though, that there has to be a commitment uh, to pursue major gifts. Uh-huh. If you want to grow your organization and sustain it, you have to have major gifts as part of your um, your methods. And uh, major gifts require several things. One, one is it requires you know, your executive team being educated about fundraising and being willing to be participative. You have to educate your board so that they have a realistic uh, and, and an appreciation of what it takes to raise significant dollars because it takes time. It takes time. Because we're, what we're doing is we're uh, bringing someone into a deeper relationship with the organization. And that takes time because we, we as people take time. And, and also, once someone says, yeah, I want to do that gift that would require greater significance from them, some kind of major gift, those can take time because those can be pretty complicated for people. They have family they have to deal with, maybe it's a business, they're, they own a business, they have to talk with their, their, those others in their business, maybe they have a foundation, uh, maybe they're representing a corporation. You know, that all takes time to, for them to execute. The other dimension about commitment uh, to major gift fundraising and in order to grow our nonprofits is you have to be committed budget-wise. Uh, this, you know, this, this isn't snake oil. I mean, this is, this requires time. It requires energy. And that translates you, that you have to have, be willing to spend money and spend money over time. So jumping into it, being committed to it, what that, the, what happens as a result is your nonprofit begins to raise more money. You're able to match and to uh, exceed what you're doing, grow what you're doing. and uh, Celebrating philanthropy for an organization is so very, very powerful. It, it is a way of um, telling the entire organization, both your, your staff and those volunteers and supporters around you, that your mission matters, that it's important that if they're volunteering time or they're working as hard as they do, I don't know if anybody works any harder than people in the nonprofit world, you know, that it matters that people are investing, that there's resources to do your job and to do it as proudly and with as much excellence as you can.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you know, when I asked the question about holding, you know, what's holding us back, I really am thinking about like, what is the elephant in the room that's standing in between you and raising the kinds of dollars that your cause dreams of raising and you just hit on it that <laughs> it's like I mean like we're letting fear we're letting you know all these little things you know ignorance we just don't know we've never done it before stand in the way and so right. I love that you're addressing the fact that it's like I mean this is this is work <laughs>
1: like, it is work, this
0: is work. <laughs> I know I'm like I can't tell you how many clients that you know I've had to say that it's like I mean you don't just hire a Martin or a Mary and and all of a sudden money just you know flies from the sky right. it really is a process and there really is a lot that goes into that. So I'm just curious because we have so many people listening to the show who are fairly new to fundraising or they're trying to take their fundraising to the next level. And I would love to get some advice from you on, you know, what would you recommend that they do to to really take their fundraising to the next level, especially when it comes to major gifts in the area that you're really, really so Mm -hmm. good at.
1: So I I think this is a, a lifelong journey whether you're just getting started or you're you're trying to, you know, mature your, your gifts and, and advance your career. And I think, you know, if I might have a phrase, I would say, pursue competence, pursue competence in the field okay. where re, wherever you are in the evolution of your career and in the fundraising arena, pursue competence, Now, competence, at least, you know, to me, from my point of view, Mary consists of two basic things. It inc- consists of learning. We have to be lifelong learners. We have to be, uh, we have to study our profession. You said you love fundraising books. That's an in- indicator, right? That you're yeah. committed to learning about the profession. And we have to, you know, maybe get credentials when it's appropriate. Uh, some people, as I mentioned at the the, the start of our, our you know, uh, pursue degrees in the field, you can go uh, the Association for Fundraising Professionals and there's other kind of support organizations that we can go and, and fellowship and learn from others formally and informally. And uh, we can talk shop if we have a lot, you know, other fundraisers in the organization we work for uh, in order to, you know, talk about the ins and outs of the work we do. So being committed to always learning, I think, is a key to competence. The other is is a c- accruing experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, you can be incredibly knowledgeable. I mean, you you, you can have your undergraduate degree in, in, in fundraising and starting out. It doesn't mean you know what you're doing in all due respect. Yeah. Because you what you do is it's through experience, which takes time. There's really no shortcuts to experience, that you begin to understand all that knowledge that you've been so fortunate to accrue. Mm -hmm. And it's through experience and every donor, every prospect that we have the privilege to engage with, each one is unique. Each one is unique. But what I found is over the course of time as a student of philanthropy in the field, and as my experience continued to grow, uh, I became pretty competent. And, um, you know, there, there's there's teaching out there that it takes 10,000 hours to be a master at something. Well, you know, that's a pretty long time. And, and I remember once I was at a, a meeting, and this, this fellow who ran a nonprofit, I don't know why he would say something like this, but, you know, he came up and shook my hand. He said, Martin, he said, you're a master fundraiser. And I said, well, oh, thank you very much. But, Mary, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah. What I was thinking was, what? Yeah. <laughs> Me, you know, you you know, what are you blowing smoke here? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to figure it out day by day. But what he was, uh, what he was recognizing was kind of my point. I was working at it feverishly for years and years, uh, committed to my growing, pursuing competence. And it was beginning to manifest itself in such a way with such clarity that someone would literally give me the kind of credit I didn't deserve. Yeah. So uh, wherever you are, I think, wherever one is in this journey, uh, starting out, considering it, uh, again, being in a position wanting to advance, expand your, uh, your uh, activities and responsibilities in the profession, be committed to those two things. And experience, of course, is another way of translating the time. You got to stick with it stick with it long enough to begin to see the fruit and if i might just t- t riff on this for a moment
0: sure.
1: i think um i did a video called staying put and this was not meant to be a criticism of anyone in particular i think people newer in the profession where there's uh less opportunities to grow in advance smaller organizations sometimes there's a certainly a requirement to move from one job to another as opportunities uh, present themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to have new experiences and new responsibilities. You get to have a new job title, that's always great. Uh, hopefully you'll, uh, your benefits might improve and you get to work with a new group of people from which you can learn from. But at some point in time, I do believe uh, there's great benefit to finding a place where you can stay put and settle in. And that, I think, gives one an advantage of really growing one's experience. Because I think if, we're, if we've if we made a career of every, moving every two or three years, and again, I'm not trying to criticize anyone about this, I get it, but uh, we end up, I think, repeating our experience.
0: Mm-hmm. I would totally agree with that. I mean, as somebody who was kind of a fundraising hopper, (laughs) so I mean, like I I did that for several years and I, I did get to a place where I was like, I have to stay put because in order to really get better at your craft, you've got to work through why, why is it that you're looking for something more? What are you not getting? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is it's it's just working that out. So that's really great advice and I I would also say I mean like pursuing competence and accruing experience like really really great advice here because I think that so many people who get into this space, I mean, like maybe they just started a nonprofit or maybe they're working for a ministry or, uh, you know, are, I have a lot of people who are following the show who are missionaries and ministry leaders. And, you know, as they get going, they're like, I've never done this before. Yeah. Like I have never had to raise money. I don't even know where to start. And so, so I'm like, I would say Martin that, you know, you are a master fundraiser. I mean, like just having the few conversations that I've had with you that you are really good at what you do. And the thing is, is that nobody needs to be, you know, a Martin level fundraiser to get started, (laughs) right? Like you just said it, it has taken a lot of years and trying to figure it out. So I I appreciate that a lot, Uh, you know, coming from you, especially after having so many years of experience, just to say, start, you know, start where you're at. Right. And just get started, just, you know. And you said something that really stuck with me when we were talking earlier is about how when you first started fundraising, that you created a script and as you drove to your appointment, you would <laughs> run through that. And I'd love for you to share, like, what did you do? Because I mean, I think sometimes people think, like, oh, Mary, like, you can just roll off the ask, and it it sounds so comfortable and so easy. And I'm like, yeah, that is 18, 19 years of repeating it and trying to find my own, like, you know, yeah. how, how do you say it where it feels authentic to you? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, more I, about I, what you did.
1: Yeah, well, in my first. Uh, full-time fundraising uh, position and I was responsible for developing a fundraising program for a large organization. First, I focused on getting the annual appeal working and I hired someone to focus on grants because it was the kind of organization that could accrue resources through grants. And um, we, we uh, brought in assistance to help us do this, but we, we executed the first uh, comprehensive campaign for the organization. And a lot of firsts that I was able to uh, be a part of. So, what I would do, uh, eventually, I be, began to focus more and more on major gifts. And, you know, I was 40, early 40s, so I had had plenty of professional experience and knew my way around the block in terms of relationship building. But I tell you what, I was scared. I mean, I was scared. Yeah. And so, what I would do is, you know, I, and I was working for an organization that covered uh, the 28 southernmost counties in Illinois, quite a spread. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd have two hours in the car and so on. So I was always listening to, back in those days, cassette tapes on major gift fundraising. Mm-hmm. But I would also rehearse. And I would I would go, uh, I would think through how the visit was going to go. And I would, and I, I did this for 25 years, by the way. I would visualize it. I would visualize it as I'm driving. I would visualize uh, the warm welcome, uh, the friendly conversation, the the positive nodding of the head, uh, the shaking hands at the end, and uh, as as they shut the door, they were smiling, and I would I was smiling. And then I would rehearse the actual sentence you might say if it was a solicitation visit. Uh, John and Mary. Um, would you consider a gift of $25,000, which you could pay over five years in order to help um, the, uh, our students get the education that uh, you, as you've described, you know uh, they deserve and should have. And so I would memorize it. I would say it, you know, a dozen, two dozen times. And I did that because it, you know, it, it helped me address my anxiety and fear Mm -hmm. And I came to find out as I began doing more and more of this, that uh, if we're in their home, you know, the dog might start barking. Um, They get a phone call. uh, Somebody knocks on the door. uh, You know, (laughs) uh, and if you're at at an office, you know, variations on the theme that we uh, or, you know, they don't seem real happy about. Uh, my being there, although they welcomed me about, you know, they knew where it was headed and they began to look and, you know, kind of act con- uh, uh, Conflicted, you know, leaning back, folding their arms and so on yeah. <laughs> But by having that line memorized, I could, you know, John and Mary, blah, 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 blah All I had to do is get John and Mary out and the rest of it would follow and then we'd go from there okay. Now, if, if I might say one more thing, yeah. so fast forward that to 20 some years later uh, mm-hmm. I would do the the same thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and prepare extremely well. Uh, I I am a, a supporter, and um, at one point I had responsibility to oversee St. Louis Public Radio, which is our regional non uh, NPR affiliate. And um, and Tim Eby, the general manager, asked me this coming out of retirement, so to speak, to help him with a donor that I had had a long time relationship with. So, you know, I went to Tim's office on two occasions and talked through the call with him and with some of his other staff. And then we went and we executed it. And it was like textbook. And I don't mean that in a, 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 you know, a silly way. We had had so prepared and we knew the donors, fortunately, we both knew them from different angles very well, that we were able to put together a call and guide them through this. It was over breakfast at at a quiet setting in a restaurant but walk them through this process, solicitation process. And that was not threatening to them. They were receptive. Um, They actually made some comments that were great in terms of how they were thinking about they could do the gift because they wanted to do the gift. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, we put the time in ahead of time. And Tim had asked me, Martin, would you ask for the gift? Mm -hmm. So, so (laughs) Uh You know it was nearby. It was about a five minute drive. Guess what I was doing as I was driving by. I was rehearsing yeah. because I, I, I i've been in been in the work two dozen years, but the the same kind of uh, tension still arises in me yeah so you know so i i I go on about this, Mary, because folks fear is nothing to be afraid of. And when someone says that they'll they'll visit with you, they understand ultimately that you are there to uh, represent an organization with a mission that matters. And they're at least curious about it, otherwise they would have t- turned down the appointment.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and nobody's gonna bite you. you right. know, unless they have a wild dog, and that never happened to me. <laughs> right, I
0: know, I've never been bitten by a dog in all my
1: hundreds years. <laughs> me neither
0: but i will say you know martin thank you for sharing that because you know i do the same exact thing and i Mm. i think that sometimes people think that all that fear and anxiety disappears after you've done something so many times and and i think that it's just a reminder that when you are sitting across the table from somebody and you're inviting them to be a part of something that's really important to you you're going to emotion is going to rise up in you <laughs> like that That's is right and I think that you and I have over the years turned that maybe fearful or anxiety into like excitement and mm-hmm. you know opportunity and like mm-hmm. you said just back to being facilitators of philanthropy that it's like we have the opportunity to invite somebody to be a part of something that they never otherwise would be a part of.
1: That's right.
0: And that is exciting. And mm-hmm. so then the, the, Oh, what am I going to say? And how am I going to say it? It turns into a, it doesn't matter how you say it, just say it. <laughs> you yeah. know, just, gotcha. Just engage them. Right. So right. Um, I, I do want to spend some more time here just because, um, you have written a really great book, and I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to just hear a little bit about what that is. And so, you put out a book this this last year, and it's called Five Minutes for Fundraising. And you know, I've done a lot of fundraising across the state of Missouri, but um, but for some reason. I have only gotten a little bit of an opportunity to fundraise in the city of St. Louis. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I only had about a year where I got to fundraise here and of course I have clients from the area, but, um, but you have so many great people not only from St. Louis but across the country who have collaborated with you on this project and um, I'd love to hear just a little bit about what is the book and what can somebody uh, learn if they pick up a copy?
1: Well, the the yes, well, thanks for asking, Mary, and I'm happy to share about it. I'm very excited about this book and proud, too. It's called Five Minutes for Fundraising, a collection of expert advice from gifted fundraisers. <clears throat> I called it Five Minutes for Fundraising because each chapter, if you read at my pace, is about five minutes. Mary, you could probably read one in half that time, two and a half, <laughs> three minutes. But, but I always thought, you know, it, it's a book that each chapter, in one way, stands on its own, although it's linked, of course, uh, to to the others and um it came out of as i mentioned earlier my video work i realized that these videos were being watched by some but you know not everybody wants to watch a video but a lot of people unlike a video you know you can throw your book in your um your uh, knapsack or you know in your briefcase and uh, or leave it in, you know, long next year, lazy boy and pick it up when you want. And in five minutes you can gain some new insight. The other thing was, um, I realized as I worked from the video material, well, you know, a, a five minute video doesn't translate into a whole lot of pages. Yeah. And you know, my objective in my, my videos is never to be, um, to present a a topic, A to Z. It's more like noodling around a a topic, reflecting on something, uh, as I mentioned, uh, reflecting on something I've been giving thought to, uh, based upon my experience and, you know, discussions with others. And so, I thought, well, these chapters, as they were developing, need to be rounded out. So, I went and recruited. Ah, uh, both friends, and made a lot of friends. Uh, Twenty-six collaborators, awesome. and I would say every one of these, Mary, are experts uh, in the field of fundraising. And w- so I'll I'll start off a chapter, and then one of the collaborators will will comment, and they'll expand on the points. No one outright disagrees with my points, but they'll expand upon the points. Uh, they'll they'll have really interesting stories you know kind of the color commentary to a book flesh and bones on on a chapter and it's just made the book so much richer mm-hmm. so uh i'm proud of the book i'm proud that it, there's 27 of us that uh in one way are authors <laughs> of the book and you know just the logistics by the way uh someone can go to martinleifle.com and i'll give them the, the book for 15 percent off mm-hmm. uh, i'll autograph it and you know no postage and handling. Or they can go to Amazon and, you know, download it, download it there or, you know, purchase the book there too. But, um, you know, however it works for people. Well, and I
0: love that so much of the conversation that we've had today, like, you know, facilitators of philanthropy and staying put and some of the other things that we talked about. Those are all five minute, you know, increments that are in your book. So you can, you know, of course, read more about that. And the number one question I think I always get is. How much should we ask for? Right. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> you
0: got a chapter on that, you know, a section on that, five minutes, yeah. five minutes on that. And so just across the board, I I like that you've tackled some good, you know, really good questions on yeah. on fundraising and just given people an opportunity to think further about it. Uh, So much when it comes to fundraising, I find uh, as I talk to people is that there's just not a whole lot of resources as far as training goes for people who are in fundraising. So that's why when I say I'm like, I love that you wrote a fundraising book. Um, That's also why I was driven to write one too, is that there's so much that we can learn. When, when we're in this space of raising funds and engaging donors so thank you for putting this book out there and for making it available uh, to to everybody who's listening here so um, of course like you said martin uh, and you can get the details there but um, but before we jump into that we'll talk more about how people can connect with you but um, I you know this is the fundraising freedom podcast and you know I just think okay. that there's something about freedom when it comes to fundraising Mm -hmm. but i'm just curious uh, about what your take is on what your thoughts are on fundraising freedom what does that mean to you
1: yeah well first of all it's a wonderful name and um it really got me thinking uh when i think well when when have i experienced the greatest freedom and almost in parentheses i put the word joy by the way but fundraising freedom and you know just to go back to over time accruing competence okay. with that came confidence and confidence, not meaning, you know, bravado or arrogance, or, you know, insecurity, uh, exaggerating, you know, mm-hmm. my self, self-worth, but confidence that, that comes along with competence. Mm-hmm. And when, one brings a character, virtuous character to bear with competence and confidence, and you're involved in this very wonderful, privileged, people-engaging uh, service, it's like you're free indeed. I'm free indeed. People are free around me. They're honest with me. I'm able to be honest with them. I can draw upon all this experience I've had and what I've learned and accrued and be able to craft, you know, draw upon it in order to uh, Try and bring benefit to the person across from me the unique person that they are and in that whole exchange There's freedom because I've put the time in you know You might say in order to get there. I earned that kind of freedom Mm -hmm. and that feels I don't know That's a that's a joyful place to be.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because It is not something back to what you said earlier about fear and how just the the comment about how competence leads to confidence. And that is so true. When you feel like you're walking into an environment that's not intimidating, but you have you know that you're in the right place and it does create this environment of just um, really beautiful freedom. And I love Mm -hmm. that you use the word joy because I talk about joy all the time.
1: (laughs) Ah, We're we're alike in that respect.
0: We are. are. And I know like whenever I talk to other fundraisers and I apologize for anybody who's like, okay, Martin and Mary are geeking out, but (laughs) you know, is that, fundraising really is is such a, I mean, I say it's fun. I know that's corny, but like, but it it becomes kind of addicting, you know, after Mm -hmm. when you do find how you can connect people with things that they're really passionate about. And I know that you find that same excitement Mm -hmm. around fundraising. And I think that that's why people are like, Oh, why would I ever want to be a fundraiser? Mm -hmm. And then you get in it and you're like, this is really like, this is good. This is fun right. stuff. Right.
1: <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's such a, it's such a gratifying profession.
0: It, it is. And especially when you work for a cause that you really do care about. And I know yeah. that everybody who's listening, you know, you have a cause that matters to you. You've sacrificed a lot of your life. I mean, whether it's a nine to five job or it's an organization that you founded, you are dedicated in a way that's like, I mean, why would somebody else not want to come on board with that and be a part of it too? So anyways, right. it's so good. But anyway, so when talking about connecting with you, what's the best way that somebody can connect with you? I know you mentioned your website, mm-hmm. is there a place on social media that you, you like to hang out at? Well, uh,
1: I, I, I'm i on LinkedIn, uh, I have a large following there. Right. and. Uh, facebook we're working on growing the facebook presence too uh but somebody could just reach me at martin at martinleifold.com uh that's where i spend most of my time in terms of uh email and uh you know for me i'm in a position right now in my life that if i had two words uh that represent me perhaps these two words could be it, and that is be helpful Mm -hmm. i want to be helpful and uh, so, if someone has a question or a concern, or they're puzzling over an experience, or thinking about whether to get into the profession or not, be happy to talk with them or exchange ideas. You know, through one of the social media uh, avenues.
0: I appreciate that, and what a what a great season to be in too. Just to mm. be in a place where. Just being able to help people along the way, and I want people to know. So Martin uh dot com. It's L E I F E L D. So for those of you who are interested in reaching out to martin and please take him up on the offer (laughs) so reach out to him connect on social media we'll make sure in the show notes that we have a link to martin's uh his linkedin his facebook his website make sure that you guys have access to that and of course access uh, a link to his book five minutes for fundraising so um on that note oh our time went by so quickly um any parting advice from you martin as as our listeners are out there uh, really looking to raise funds, uh, what advice do you have for them before we wrap up here?
1: Well, Mary, here's one piece of advice funding is limitless. So, fund, funding is limitless. And, you know, we're always thinking there's not enough funding. It's just the opposite funding is limitless. There is so much wealth in this country, let alone in the world. There's only 7.6 billion people and, what, 330, 340 million people in this country. And yes, we have some people who are struggling terribly in terms of poverty and homelessness and so many challenges. But there are others, many, 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 many others with significant wealth who we can approach. So it's limitless, Mary, but it's limitless for those who go out and pursue it. You know, it's, it, it just doesn't arrive. It just doesn't show up at your door. We have to you know, do this work of pursuing competency, roll up our sleeves and work hard. And what we're going to find out to our surprise is there's a lot more resources available to our organization than we initially thought there could be
0: absolutely well and i think that that's one of those myths that's sitting out there is that Mm. there is a pie and if martin takes a slice of the pie that means that there's no pie left for me that's right (laughs) and that is a lie you know there are there are many pies and i don't need to swim in martin's pie and he doesn't need my pie (laughs) that's right so it's you know just but it is it takes time to invest in that so really great advice Um, and i appreciate that so much martin and thank you for taking the time today to be helpful and to share your wisdom um, being a master fundraiser and an expert in the field. Um, if you guys can't catch, I mean like you've been listening to My Freedom Steps for I don't know how many episodes, whether this is your first episode or if you've been listening for a long time. But one of the things that I often talk about is branding and you know, enhancing your brand. And I hope you can even catch Martin's branding as he talks here you can about envision just the the years of experience and the you know everything that makes up uh, what he does which has gained him credibility and the ability to walk in front of a group of people and invite them to be a part of it and so uh, Martin I, you know thank you for living out uh, I, I everything that you shared here today is really uh, follows just so right in line with the with the content that I share and uh, if you guys need more information and are out just looking for new information about fundraising I mean check out those videos that Martin has posted and he's putting out there the content that he's sharing. Obviously, he cares a lot about the work that you're doing. And so uh, thank you, Martin. Uh, Appreciate it and look forward to staying connected as we continue the process of helping people raise more funds. So on that note, thank you guys for being a part of the show and hope you guys have a great week. Let's go change the world one volunteer and one dollar at a time.